You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We're going to continue on in our uh, Be and Make uh, series, and so this is the ABCs of discipleship, and just to refresh your memory, uh, the church here is, is, we're here to equip the saints, and so it's not about putting on just a good show or having amazing worship like we do. Um, it's about equipping you to, to be partnering with Jesus and out in the world and making disciples. And so when we take that very seriously here, uh, it's something that we are in the process of when we try and be and, and uh, be a disciple and then also make disciples. And so uh, this week we're in the belong section, but I did want to jump back as we were reviewing this in Sermon Club and we kind of have a, a debrief from the last sermon. And I was like, oh, I, I really wanted to say that and I kind of didn't. And so I want to take like, steal like seven minutes of this sermon uh, to talk about something that I think I missed last week. So the idea of uh, accepting Jesus, I talked about that, that your father is seeking you. Remember the analogy of the father that was digging through all the rubble and rocks for 36 hours to find his son? And so you have a father that seeks you. And when uh, you know that you have a father that's seeking you and you choose to be found and you choose to accept Jesus and have it be part of your life, there's a piece in there, what does it look like? So I've accepted him as my savior, but what does it actually look like to walk with Jesus, to to not just follow him, but to be a disciple? And a lot of that falls underneath this idea of abiding in Jesus. And so the word uh, abide is a verb. It's, it's uh, It's active. Abiding in Christ is not a feeling, or a belief, it's actually something that you do. It means to remain or stay and entails far more than just the idea of having this intellectual belief that there's a God or having this intellectual belief that there's a Savior. This is an actual engagement with that Savior, an engagement with Jesus Christ as your King and as your Lord. There's a, a, a pastor and a writer and a preacher named J.C. Riles, and he was uh, in the mid-1800s. He went to the University of Oxford. And here's what he says about abide, and it really struck a chord with me, and I hope you guys can take this to heart. To abide in Christ means to keep up the habit of constant, close communion with him. Constant, close communion with him. To be always leaning on him, resting on him, pouring out our hearts to him and using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion, our best friend, to have his words abiding in us is to keep his sayings and his precepts continually before our memories and our minds and make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior. So this idea of abiding is more than the idea of being a Christian. It's actually living it out, like walking around and being, and you would just have Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there with you, and you're just saying, hey, should I do this? Should I do this? Like in your common everyday task, you're, you're in this constant communication with a Savior who not only loves you, but also cares about your well-being and he will guide your path. In the text where we see this word abide or or the word remain, it's right before in John 15, we're going to do just chapters four through eight, uh, excuse me, John 15 verses four through eight. 
right before Jesus, uh, right before this happened, Jesus is introducing his disciples to the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to, to leave a wise counselor for you. you. Where I'm going, you can't go right now. And I'm going to leave a wise counselor for you. So he introduces them to the Holy Spirit. And then this is what he says. He says, remain in me. Abide, abide in me. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must Uh, remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The idea of being connected to Jesus, connected to the vine and the vine is his word. The vine is the Holy Spirit. The vine is worship and submitting your heart to God to stay connected to that vine. Then you bear fruit. How many people have chosen to connect to the vine before? How many people have seen fruit in your life because you connected to the vine where you're just like, oh man, How many people have disconnected? How many people have seen how that works out for you? Right? And so, like, why would we disconnect? What is the community that we have that's helping us and be like, you know what, Josh, that doesn't seem like something I've heard you say before. Talk to me more about that. Why are you frustrated? What's going on in your life? I see you disconnecting. Verse 5, it says, I I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus says that he is the vine and that we are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of any good. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into fire and burned. I've burned myself. I've burned myself by disconnecting to the Lord. I've burned myself by removing, removing me from the connection of the Holy Spirit. And you know what the bummer about that is? You typically just don't burn yourself. You also have the opportunity to burn those around you. I just find it interesting that right after he introduces us to the Holy Spirit, he is on the back hills of this. He's encouraging us to remain and abide in him. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you might bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You'll know what to ask for if you're bearing or if you're, um, if you're with Jesus, you'll know the right things to ask for. So what does this abiding look like? It's not the same for everybody, but there are, there are some uh, points to check in on. But the, at the end result is you walk in the path that Jesus has for you. For me, it's to know him by his word, to be curious about his word, to learn more about his word. Here's your best friend, what he wants to be in your life, in your best friend, and he leaves you this little, little uh, lifelong instruction book with all of this text in there. And he's like, here. And just like you would normally do that if your best friend uh, gave you everything that he had, you would just put it on the table and you would make it look like a coffee, de- decorate, or a coffee table decoration, right? No, you would mine it. You would open it up. You would, you would open it up into your life and into your heart. So maybe abiding looks like you reading your Bible. Oh, thanks, Pastor. 
Don't have somebody who doesn't need to read it for you. What is God saying to you? What is your habit in the text? Worshiping, how, you know, I love to worship uh, the Lord. And the guest was laughing at me. I was like, yeah, sometimes I have my, I've got my worship set list and I'm playing it every morning and it's how I'm trying to start off my day is worshiping and I'm singing in the shower and Gus is just like, oh boy. And I, I don't think it was about the shower, it was about my singing. But I'm worshiping the Lord and when you see us around here and we're worshiping God, we're not doing some performance. We're not watching a performance up here. Those guys are great and they're fantastic. They're not watching you, but we are crying out to God. And so what does it look like in your life to worship God? What songs touch you and move you? I ask God, to, how, how can I help stay in your anointing, God? I want to I stay in your anointing. God, what do you want me to know today about you? What do you want me to do today? I'll tell God, I'm like, I'm scared. I'll tell him I'm grateful. I'll tell him I'm in awe of him. He knows, but I'm like, I blew it again. Would you please forgive me again? That's not what you would have me do. Lord, help me see people the way that you do. Heal me, Father. Physically. Heal me, Father, emotionally. Heal me, Father, spiritually. Free me from the stuff that I'm currently struggling with. I need you. So that's kind of what it looks like for me to try and abide with Jesus. And that changes, hopefully, the heart of the people that are choosing to do that. That doesn't have to be your path or your, your, the way you do, but that's what I do. And abiding in Jesus, so that's what I want to talk about. We'll shift to the next sermon. But I want to make sure that, that you guys know that like, that is the deal. Abiding in Jesus is critical for you to be able to be a disciple and to make a disciple. And you get to choose that. Nobody's holding you back from abiding with Jesus. But that abiding in Jesus creates a desire to belong with his people. And as Christians, when we choose to belong, we get to have new beginnings. You know, you think about the video that we just watched with Krista. The, the things that she's doing where she's going from, from an observer, from coming into a church, from being an observer at the church to taking that step of like, okay, I, I keep talking about serving and doing those things, but like, it's not just serving to serve because we need people to serve, which we do, but we get things from serving. Like serving gives life and it's not just to put on a show. Like serving is all kinds of different places throughout the week. And so you see that in her life as she starts to change and she starts to be excited and she goes through this transition of coming to a church and being curious about it and seeing somebody get baptized to having the sermons roll around in her head or what God was doing in her life or the worship. Uh, Her husband serves on worship team up here too. He's fantastic. And then figuring out a place to serve and she didn't just stay in coffee because that's a great place to be but she didn't just stay there. She served in coffee and then she served in this place and then she she found a, a place that she wanted to serve at. So as Christians, we have new beginnings. We're a kingdom of priests, plural, not a kingdom of priests, singular. All of us have places to do that. We're followers of Jesus together. So belonging is wisdom from God. 
Because here's what happens to people who choose not to belong. This is why it's so essential. See, the enemy attacks all of us. He's trying to get you off track of where God would have you be. He doesn't want you abiding with Jesus. He wants you abiding with the world. He wants you to be abiding with whatever social media or sports team. He wants you to abide in a bunch of these places. They're not bad, but they're, when they're not put in their proper perspective, we can get off the path. And we need people to call us back. So the enemy attacks. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You build your community. You got to get in community, 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 community. Why? Because being by yourself can be dangerous. Second thing that happens is we can have this hardening of our hearts. Has anybody ever felt like your, your heart started to harden towards the things of God? Were you ever off the path or unconnected from the vine when that happened? I've seen that happen to me. My sarcasm goes up. My contempt goes up. How I view God's people, I view them as problems, not as treasured possessions. Probably never happened to anybody else in here. But the hardening of a heart happens. And we talked a little bit about that uh, in Matthew 13 when we did our uh, series on uh, harvest. But uh, he's trying to, Jesus is trying to re-explain like they didn't get it. And he's trying to re-explain this. And here's what he says, Matthew 13, 15. For this people, uh, uh, people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, probably because they know it all already. And they have their eyes closed. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. When you choose to not belong, you have a chance of having a hardened heart. And there's discouragement and doubt and depression, which is running rampant in our world, like this encouragement of discouragement, encouraging, encouraging somebody to doubt, encouraging, you know, everybody's, you know, we have mental illness running rampant. When you don't belong, you don't get to experience this part of First Thessalonians. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. I'm going to challenge everybody in here. Encourage someone this week. Find something that you can encourage someone and that you notice something about them and you're going to spur them on towards love and good deeds. Part of belonging is attending we need to be here, need to be in our groups together. There's something powerful when believers get together. And what's interesting is you coming here today might not even be about you. It might be about a conversation you're going to have after the service. It might be about a conversation that you're going to have before the service that dramatically impacts someone else's life. And God is using his people as they gather together to be encouraged and to scatter and be able to, to follow him better. Sometimes it is about you. Sometimes I've received what God has for me to receive in the worship. Where I was able to 
take the calluses off my heart and settle down enough and just, and just receive what he has. And he gives me a good word through worship. It could be an obscure line in a song. And I was like, that was for me. But I was looking. Sometimes you go to a group or, uh, or to church or you make a phone call because you're abiding in Christ. Some of the times uh, I get when I'm tired at the end of the day on a Sunday and my group meets on, at the, on Sunday evenings and I am dragging to it. And to be frank, there are times when I don't even want to go. But I have to because I'm the pastor. <laughs> nah. No, God's got something there for me. It just actually happened recently, uh, a piece of encouragement in our group. Um, we got done with our group. This is our first meeting back. And uh, the guys went over to our little area where we get together and pray, and the guys were praying. And we had a super specific prayer for one of our, our people in our group. Very, very specific. Like, it was not, not a coincidence. Like, a very specific request. And three days later, we get a text message that this thing happened. And even last week, we get this, hey, it's all, it's finalized, it's, it's, or, or finishing up, it's confirming this. And I remember it kind of dragging, I was tired, and it was my first time back on the pulpit, and I was not sure, you know, going go to go into group, and my wife wasn't here. I had all kinds of excuses to, to, to maybe not go. But God had something there for me, and it was encouragement to be seeing one of my brother's prayers get answered. See, he's partnering with you to uplift someone else sometimes. And sometimes he's partnering with someone else to uplift you. And when you choose to not belong, it has devastating consequences for you and others. John 13 says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do you love one another when you don't spend time together? When you don't spend intentional time together. So that's part of attending. I've been wrestling with what does that look like to, like, why do we do church? I've been wrestling with that for a while. And it's interesting the conversations that I have with folks and the results of COVID and what has happened with people and church attendance and all these things. Like, we do church because we're commanded to not forsake the gathering of the assembly. We're commanded to, to not give up meeting together because God knew that we would need to meet together. So the next part of, of belong is join. And joining is more than just showing up. So I joined Anytime Fitness in, I'm going to say January of 2021, maybe 2020. And I was all over that place at the beginning. I mean, I was going after it. I would, I would be there, like I would get my name on the board for being there more than 25 times in a month which is like a big deal and get your name on the board. And I was into it and I was working out and I was lifting and I was, I had a mentor and I was doing like the body fat scan test and all those things. And if you go back and you look at like my, a sermon from like, I don't know, January of 2020, I look different. And I was into it. And then I hurt my shoulder doing some military press. I guess that's what it was. For some reason, I thought I should be lifting more. Don't need to do that. Just don't hurt yourself, Josh. And that was my excuse. And then my, my joining the membership, I kept my membership because I'm going to go back. And I think over like the next year and a half, I probably attended two or three times. 
I kept my membership there just so I could continue to be part of the club. See, the membership in joining something doesn't work. Just picture this. Picture this. Maybe this will resonate with some of you about church and how does it look at a church to join. So if I join a club, you come to church, I walk in there, and I'm like, look at that stair stepper. That thing's pretty neat. What is watch, watch somebody work out on it. Okay, cool. All right, let me walk over here to, hey, look at this elliptical. Pretty neat elliptical. I bet you it does stuff if you get on it. And then I go into the weight room and I see people lifting weights and I'm like, man, okay, what, the, what exercise is he doing? Okay, interesting, cool. All right, well, good, good workout, guys. Good day. And head back out, click my little button and head back out. Get, I still get a, a rep because I was there. How many people do you think that that happens to in church? You come in and you watch someone else work out. Come in and watch somebody else play. That's not what we see the early disciples doing. To join here means that we engage. That we always have too many partners helping out. That there is no trash in the parking lot when we leave. That there is no coffee cups left around or any of those things. Like that we're all part of the family here. And we see that in Acts 2. They, uh, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And not only did they just devote themselves to that and learn. The reason why we're here today because they actually did something with what they learned. They went out and abided and, and modeled to others what it looks like. Everyone was filled with uh, awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying, all the, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily of those who are being saved. That's what it's supposed to look like. We're supposed to look different. Different than the rest of the world. And when you look different than the rest of the world, uh, it becomes something where the people are curious. And you know, like the intrepidation of like, I got to invite somebody to church. I remember us doing like, uh, when I was in Montana, we had these little key cards and we were Easter and you're like, you just got to invite one. You just got to invite one person, just one person, do it and do it and do it. And you're like, okay, well, what am I going to say? And on the back of it was the things you would say. And he was like, there's just great pressure to invite somebody to church. How about inviting them into your life? How about inviting them into your changed life? See, when you invite somebody into a life that's changed, it's, it's an invitation for those people that are around you to see something that happened in your life. What would you share with somebody that would point them to Jesus? Would it be the correct verse and the correct scripture? Yes, you could do that. But who were you before you met Jesus and who are you now? And is that attractive and is that something when we choose to belong Is it easy to invite people when they see change in your life? When they see that you're different? That will speak far louder than words. You know, we're called to be different. Different than the rest of the world. On the Palouse, you're called to be different. 
It's not about the me, it's about the we. It's about the, the kingdom of God. Now this quote from Timothy Keller, and here's what he says, the early church was strikingly different from the culture around it. And they were strikingly different in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. And the Christians came along and they looked different. They gave practically nobody their body and they gave everybody their money, their resources. They showed what a generous God looks like by taking care of those around them. So when we talk about what does it mean to accept, belong, contribute, and disciple, today on belonging, don't, have a gym, don't, don't make the church a gym membership that you never use. There's lots of equipment here. There's restoration night that's coming up, and it's a new quarter. And there's a, some amazing classes that are there for you that you can get on there and exercise what it looks like to not have um, uh, codependency. And you can exercise what it looks like to find your identity. And you can see there'll be a whole list of classes on there. But all those, all those machines are waiting there for you to use. And last week, we had 58 people get into small groups. Yeah. They launched off their groups. And there's 58 folks that would be able to, if you ask them, hey, whose group are you in? They'd be like, hey, well, I got a Wednesday night group or I just got into a Tuesday night group. And so, by the way, those groups are still open. If you guys are, didn't find a group or you're not connected, you can still come on uh, Wednesday night. Is that right? Is it Wednesday night? Wednesday night. And you can still come and get plugged in. Last week was kind of their big uh, beginning piece of it, but you can jump in this week. How about belonging to the vision of reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time? By letting people know how Jesus is changing you. How about belonging to others to make biblical disciples through relational environments? As you guys do life together. As you have somebody that can come over while you still are folding laundry. And they might even pick up your dirty underwear and fold it with you. No. So our Lord desires for us to be in community. As a matter of fact, as we step into communion, if you have your elements with you, that'd be great. If you missed them, uh, they are right there, back on each side there. I don't know if Dennis will help out. You can raise your hand. We'll get you some elements. We do this every week at our church. So we got one up, up here, Dennis. We do this every week, but isn't it interesting how Jesus was doing this? Jesus was doing this in a small group. He was doing this in community, and he expected us to be in community with other believers. He expected us to belong to something, belong to the kingdom of God. And so the Lord Jesus, as he's sitting there in his community, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and he had given thanks, and he broke it and said, this is my body. It's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
Let's remember our Lord in his community. In the same way, after supper, he took this cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, uh, drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's proclaim our Lord. Father, I thank you for this time. As we look forward to what does it look like to be part of the kingdom here? And how do we operate here? How do we not just attend a church, but how do we be the church? What does it look like in every person's life here to abide with you, to remain with you, to, to follow that text, to follow what you had said in your text, Lord? Lord, I ask you to just put it on everyone's heart this week that they would maybe take a look at John 15. And we would choose to learn how to remain in you so that you would remain in us. Help us to learn what it means to belong to you and to your kingdom and to your people. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.